All right, folks, welcome to Jet Cetera. It's the Winnipeg Free Press podcast about the Jets, sports, and etc. I'm your host, sports editor Steve Lines, and I'm joined as usual by sports columnist Mike McIntyre. Mike, how you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. It's uh, raining out, eh? It is. It's gloomy. It's dreary. Kind of like the Jets' first week of the season, but sunshine and is rainbows. Is summer over returned. now? I guess it is. I actually played golf yesterday. Yeah, we'll get to that in the um, podcast. And it was it was cold, but it wasn't rainy at least. But yeah, I, looking at the forecast, Steve, we're talking like low Is single it? digits. Yeah. And, so it's Halloween on Sunday. So, so? Well, we often would have snow on the pumpkins at this time of year, right? I guess so. Um, All right. So, so yeah, it's I think over. summer is officially over. Okay. we're uh, It's episode 79, Mike. This one was a hard one. 79. Yeah, 79. nothing comes to mind so at the, all. So the, the, the only three players in the history of the NHL, it turns out, have worn number 79. Oh. The best one. Well, it was Andre Markov. Yes, Montreal. I, you know, Canadians, I looked. I looked. Defenseman. I didn't realize he was that good. He actually was a really good defenseman for sixteen seasons, five hundred seventy-two points, nine hundred ninety games. He couldn't have played ten That's more. Good. They couldn't have found a way to get ten more games. Well, he retired and he went to the KHL for his yes. last three years or whatever. Yeah, ten more games would have been good. Alex Alexei Yashin, remember him? Yes. Uh, he wore uh, number. 79 with the Islanders for a season. He originally wore 19 with the Senators. Right. Then he got traded to the. Uh, are we recording here? Yeah, we're recording. <laughs> I just got to check. Yeah, we are. <laughs> are we sure? Yeah. I'm we recording. hope so. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, folks. Um, so he got traded to the Islanders and he couldn't wear number 19 there because Brian, Brian Trotche. Yeah. Right. So he went to uh, 79. Okay. But, however, I did find a bomber, uh, a kind of a uh, kind of an interesting bomber. It's the Rob Crefo episode. Mike McIntyre. No idea who Rob. Haven't Crefo. heard of him. Nope. He played. He was on the 1990 team that won the Grey Cup. Okay. He was a third round pick of the Bombers in 1988. Six foot six. He was tall. This guy was tall. Tall, nice fellow. I I I got the I covered that team and I remember Rob. He's a very nice fellow. He was a reliable kind of target on the inside there for. Uh, Burgess and Dunnigan in the early 1990s. And he was an all-star in 1991 and 92. So there you go. That's it. The Rob Crefo edition. That's all I got. Yeah, 79 was really anticlimactic. I'm not, I'm not sure what number 80 is going to be, but we'll see. Um, anyways, today we're going to chat about ooh, tomorrow, yesterday's Day of Reckoning yeah. for the 2010 Chicago Blackhawks sex scandal. And how it could affect Jets GM Kevin Chevaldeoff and his employment here in Winnipeg. Uh, we'll chat about the team's third straight win. They beat the Ducks on Tuesday night in dramatic fashion. Uh, we'll chat a little bit about the Bombers improving to ten and one with a beatdown of the BC Lions. You were in the stands for that game. I was. Steve. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get to that. And uh, you can tell us about your final golf game of the season mm. in, in the overtime. So on to the first period. So Mike McIntyre. The day of reckoning for the 2010 Blackhawks sex abuse scandal. Uh, folks, yesterday, Stan Bowman of the Blackhawks. What, what's the name of this report? The Share Report? Yeah, it's the Share. Uh, Do you want to give the background on this? You'd be way better at this. Than yeah, me. so this all stems from uh, civil lawsuits. Cole's notes. Cole's notes, yeah. yeah. So back in 2010, a guy named Brad Aldrich was the video coach of the Chicago Blackhawks, the 2010 Blackhawks, which won the Stanley Cup. That was the first of kind of the dynasty years of the Blackhawks. They went on to win two more 
but Aldrich uh, was accused of of sexually abusing two players on that Blackhawks team. The allegations were brought to management in 2010 during that playoff run. Uh, Winnipeg Jets general manager Kevin Cheveldayoff was then the assistant general manager of the Blackhawks. There was a meeting that was held, uh, Steve, about these allegations, and um, ultimately Aldrich left the organization three weeks later. This is after the Blackhawks won the Cup. Police were never contacted. Aldrich went on to uh, to coach at a high school in Michigan, I believe it was, where he molested a teenage player, was convicted and sentenced to jail. And of course, uh, there's now the the allegations that the Blackhawks covered up what happened on their team, and it opened the door for Aldrich, a predator, to go on to prey on on this other young victim. There's a bunch of civil lawsuits, all of which surfaced this past summer and led to this independent investigation by a former U.S. Attorney General, uh, or U.S. Attorney, sorry, not Attorney General, U.S. Attorney who uh, came out with his findings yesterday about the Blackhawks and their cover-up. It was a 107-page report it looks terrible on the organization. So the most the, the most damning thing that I got from it or whatever is that a, a group of Blackhawks executives, uh, President John McDonough, who General was Manager, fired a year ago, right? General Manager Stan Bowman, some right. other uh, Al McIsaac characters, who go, Assistant yeah. General Manager Kevin Chevaldeoff, Head Coach Joel Quenville, was that it seemed like they decided to kind of table it. Right. While the Blackhawks were entering the Stanley Cup final against Philadelphia, I believe. Yes. And then the and and, uh, and the hockey personnel were kind of instructed to just focus on winning the cup, and that the McDonough and his people would look after this other situation. Right. Is that kind of what you got? Yeah. To? And the yeah. way it got looked after was ultimately Aldrich, the video coach slash predator, was kind of given an ultimatum, I guess. Either you resign or we launch an investigation and he chose to resign. But, <laughs> oh, guff. Yeah, I mean, but it's quite alarmingly, the Blackhawks still allowed him, even after he resigned, to have his day with the Cup, uh, to come back to the Blackhawks in the fall and participate in the banner raising and get Well, how his about ring. the letter of reference that Joel Quenville right. gave him? Yeah, I mean, it, it which, Yo. again, very much opens the door uh, uh, to him going on to find another victim. And Joel Quenville, by the way, who's going to be meeting with Commissioner Gary Bettman tomorrow. Joel Quenville, for those who don't know, is currently the head coach of maybe the best team in the National Hockey League early in the season, the 6-0-0 Florida Panthers. His job, I would suggest, is very much on the line, uh, Steve, because Joel Quenville flat out lied. He said this past summer he didn't know anything about these allegations against Aldrich until reading news reports this summer. Uh, we now know, based on this report that came out yesterday, that's complete BS. He was actually in that meeting. May 23rd, May 2010. 23rd, 2010. And so he had direct knowledge of the allegations against Aldrich. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Now, in Chevy, his now Chevy had knowledge too. And he so did. Uh, he was asked about it this past July as well. And what he said, he gave us, he, he released a statement he did. saying that he had learned of the allegations against Aldrich just prior to Aldrich leaving the team. Right. 
and which happened in late or mid-June, I believe, June of, 16th. of 2010. So about three weeks after that meeting that Chevalier was a part of, some have taken Chevalier to task to suggest that he too, like Quenville, was caught in a lie. Uh, I don't see it that way, Steve. I don't think no. you do either. Nope. It, was it, it was vague. Was I it mean, vague and ambiguous? Yes. Legalese, they call it. Sure. Um, but uh, I'm willing to... Well, I would. That doesn't surprise me. That's exactly how you would issue a statement. Absolutely, under those circumstances, with a with a huge investigation about yes. the launch, you want to. And then he would. He did come clean in the investigation. He did. There's certainly no suggestion. Now he had his timelines off a bit. Um, he he when he I can't said remember the, last week, Mike. Yeah, I mean he he gave he th- he thought the meeting. The May 23rd meeting, he thought it happened, I during guess, a little later than yeah. it was during the cup final. Right. It was actually not during the final prior to. Um, but there's no suggestion that he misled or was dishonest with investigators. Now, he, he too, is going to have to uh, get called or is getting called on the carpet with the commissioner, Steve. Our understanding is that's probably going to happen early next week in New York. Kevin Chevalayoff and Mark Chipman will join him. They will meet with Gary Bettman. Um Ultimately, I guess the commissioner would have power if he decided. I mean, just like the NHL yesterday, they fined the Blackhawks $2 million. The The NHL didn't take any action against individuals because the Blackhawks kind of handled that themselves with Bowman and McIsaac. McDonough was already let go. There's a couple other guys in that meeting that are no longer with the team either. Basically, it boils down to this. There's two people left employed in the NHL right now who are in that meeting. Joel Quenville and Kevin Chevalier Does Gary Bettman ultimately sanction one or both of them? Do they leave it to the individual teams? Um, those are questions, obviously, which have to be answered. And I would suggest Kevin Chevalier has a lot of questions that he still has to answer in a public domain. And we would expect that that is going to happen here. What sooner questions than do you think he still has to answer in a public domain? I mean, he's kind of. He's answered it to the investigators. Sure. So he would just repeat that, wouldn't he? Right. But I think, uh, again, um, he needs to be asked exactly uh, what his understanding in that meeting was of, of exactly what Aldrich was being accused of. And again, we have a summary of that in the investigation. He suggests that, it, they, yeah, they, they, they do. They say what it was. That, that it was, was more a... of a sexual harassment Correct. as opposed to what we would constitute a, a criminal sexual assault. Correct, yeah. Um, but did what steps, if any, did he take to fall like after that meeting? Did he take any steps to follow up with anybody in the organization to see how it was being dealt with? Um, did he have any knowledge that Brad Aldrich ultimately went on to this other employment that he went on to sexually abuse a teenage hockey player? And if he did, why didn't he step up and say something at any point between 2010 and sitting down with investigators this summer? Right. Uh, because certainly the 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 optics of this are that everybody that was in that meeting were part of management. They had an ability potentially to do something about what they had heard. And what they ultimately decided to do was let Aldrich resign and go on to go do some other terrible things. So the optics are, are bad, and many people have now lost their jobs. Should Kevin Chevalier join them on the unemployment line? Um, you know, it, it's it's certainly an issue that True North, I suspect, is looking at very hard right now. The NHL obviously is going to. 
Uh, and it's it's really just a black eye, I would suggest, on the whole sport. And once again, kind of the whole toxic culture. Yes, it happened 11 years ago, but we've also seen examples in the more recent past of some pretty terrible things happening. And in fact, some of them, Steve, involved the Blackhawks. Like, what was going on with that team? For years, the Blackhawks were looked at as a model franchise. Right? We even heard here in Winnipeg when the Jets moved from Atlanta in 2011 and naturally you had Chevalier coming over from the Blackhawks. You had guys like Bufflin and Ladd. We all often heard about the Chicago model that the Jets wanted to be kind of the Chicago Right. Well, maybe that wasn't the best team to, to try and right. model one. So, yeah, they won the three cups. But I guess the question now is at what cost? All right, folks, we're back for the second period of the Jet Setra podcast. Mike, we could probably talk about the, the scandal uh, for the entire uh, podcast. Um, we're not going to, folks. There's going to be I, I think we need to see what's going to happen. And then, you know, right. like I, I, I'm not rushing the judgment on no. anything i want to see what happens here and then and then uh, take it from there so let's 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 talk a little bit about what what's going on with the team on the ice um last night uh they played uh, the first game of a three-game road trip uh against the ducks they uh they scored two goals in 19 nikolai ehlers <laughs> yeah. scored two goals in 19 seconds in the final two minutes of the... 1840 game. and 1859. Right. So they were two. a buck 20 away from a loss. They were, yeah, after, uh, you know, a, a bad third goal by, by uh, a giveaway by Pierre-Luc Dubois. Right. But so they snatched victory from the jaws of defeat, Mike, and now yeah. they've won three in a row um, after getting off to a bit of a rough start. Um, yeah, it's, you know, if they had an epic collapse against the Wild, they had right. an epic comeback against the They snatched the Ducks. defeat from the jaws of they victory did. that night, and they now did. a week later. Uh, and by the way, they're doing all of this, of course, without Captain Blake Wheeler. They're 3-0-1 in their last four. And Mark Scheifele. All of, yeah, Scheifele played the Minnesota game. Oh, but they lost that. They one. lost that, right. But so the three victories have all come without two-thirds of their top line. Correct. Um, Kyle Connor who was just named the NHL's first star, he's, um, I'd say he's adjusted fairly well mm -hmm. to missing his usual line mates since he just had five goals and so three So what's going to happen when uh, Blake <laughs> Wheeler and Mark Scheifele are back? Like, will Kyle Connor go back on that line? I wouldn't put him back on that line. I mean, I, I said the other day, Steve, I think, to me, Blake Wheeler... There's a spot on the third line for him. I don't think the Jets are going to do well, that. He's going to be the first line right winger then. Cop? Well, so no, cops playing center. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I would leave the du uh, now. I realize the Dubois Connor Svechnikov line. They scored a goal last night. Svechnikov had a goal. Yeah. Uh, they, as Paul Maurice said, I love this. He said they were they were a threat at both ends of the ice last <laughs> night, which is true because they were they they, they giveth and taketh away. I guess they uh, did. They did not have uh, Dubois had a special Dubois had an interesting uh, evening, and yeah. he's been really good yeah. so far. So Paul and he Mar was good in the offensive zone. He last was. Too, but he made a couple of boneheaded, yeah. ill-advised plays yes, Yeah, that led to goals. Uh, but I would keep, I mean, I, I like what that line has done for the most part, uh, and I would keep them together. And then, you know, you've got Stasny right now in between Kopp and Ehlers. I would just put Mark Shifley in Stasny's spot. So put Shifley with Kopp and Ehlers on that line. Shifley, Kopp, Ehlers. Move Stasny down to the third line with Adam Lowry. And Blake Wheeler. That'd be a heck of a third line, wouldn't it? 
Yeah, Stasny. I don't, I don't see that happening. Mike. I don't see it happening what, either. I like I, I, I like the idea of maybe Shifley, Wheeler, and Ehlers. Yeah, uh, on the on the How line. How do you take Andrew Cop though off that out of the top six? Andrew Cop's been he's tremendous. He won a, a million faceoffs last night. He'd like, be pretty good with Lowry and Stasny. He would. That's a pretty good third line. Oh, it is for yeah, sure. There doesn't need to be a one, two, three. They could all just kind of flow those. Yeah. Third lines I, whatever, don't right? call them third. I guess don't call them a third line. Just call it one A, one B, and one C. Sure. Or, there you go. Uh, but I mean, they have options for sure. Uh, I just think at the end of the day, Blake Wheeler played almost twenty-one minutes a game the first two games of the year. That can't continue. Blake Wheeler's thirty-five. Right. Blake Wheeler can't be playing 20. He can't be leading your team in minutes. And a big part of that, Steve, was because they were using him on the penalty kill, on the top power play, on the top line. Have they maybe fixed the penalty kill? It was pretty good last night. Uh, yeah, it was all right. Yeah. So they, they went, they killed them three all. For three for three. Yeah, yeah, three. Can for they three, keep, yeah. I mean, can they at least keep Blake Wheeler off the penalty kill? Probably. Maybe? They've got some guys to right. fill in. They got Dominic Toninato, who wasn't. Although he probably won't be in the lineup. Well, so. somebody's got to come out now, right, when Wheeler comes back in. And is it Veselainen? Is it Toninato? Uh, well, sorry. They Once Shifley and Wheeler back, they're playing short right now. They only have right. 11 forwards. Right. So uh, Wheeler, by the way, we expect Jeff Hamilton's down in, in Southern California on this road trip for us. The Jets are practicing in a couple hours from now, from when we record this. Uh, but there's a chance Blake Wheeler is actually back on the ice today in California. He's at his 10-day mark of being now apparently without symptoms since testing positive. All right. So there's a chance Blake Wheeler could be back in the lineup tomorrow, I guess, if he gets a skate under his belt and feels good. Um Mark Shifley, I think Steve is probably not joining them in California for the rest of this trip, um, just because of his timeline. He's likely back for the homestand that starts next week. But yeah, so all, all of that will play out. I mean, sure. the, the, those forwards will all flow together in an, and they'll find a, a way to get uh, get them yeah. <laughs> all suited up and playing or whatever. Um, a lineup change we chatted about before the podcast yes. started, and I, before I had to run off to a meeting. Which delayed us getting this started was that you're you you you're willing to bet a hundred dollars a hundred bucks, folks, uh, um, that Eric Comrie will get the start tomorrow against the Los Angeles Kings. I think that's crazy. Why? Why? Okay, first of all, he hasn't proven he can play in this league, and secondly, they got a day off between games here. It's early in the season. They've won three in a row. Uh, just keep Connor Hellebuck in there, and and. Hellebuck's still kind of getting his game going yeah. too. He doesn't need any days off. Uh, um, I understand that he's going to become a new dad soon. Yes. His, his girlfriend is on the due any day. Do I believe her day. due date's Halloween. So he'll get a couple of days off then. Yeah. Until then, I, I, I'm playing Connor Hellebuck. This guy's I, – I, I'm sorry, Mike. I'm playing Connor Hellebuck. The problem, I guess, is if they keep – if they have that mindset and let's say they only decide to throw Comrie in – when they absolutely have to, and that would be like back-to-backs. I think they only have like six or seven of them. Like, are you playing Connor Hellebuck 75 games yep. this year on yep. top of the Olympics? Yep. And then what does he have? Olympics, it's a break. What does he have? <laughs> <laughs> He's got three weeks off. What is he? <laughs> well, John Gibson's been really good. Gibson might get some more work exactly. than Hellebuck on the U.S. Olympic team. But How I many mean, games did a Glenn Hall play in a season? 
Yeah, I just I keep thinking back. This guy's in way better shape than Glenn Hall ever was. I still think back though to 2018, Steve. Now, granted, Connor Hellebuck was just kind of still cutting his teeth as a starter in the NHL, but I feel like Hellebuck ran out of gas that year in the in the Western Conference Final. Maybe his teammates maybe did as well. It wasn't just him. Um, But I think you want to pace yourself a bit, and so if you're trying to find a spot for Comrie, October, but he can give him some days off in January and February. He doesn't need a day off right now. But those you you worked yesterday on your day I off. I did, yes, and I'm exhausted. Good for you. you. I yeah, need, I need a rest. <laughs> Sorry, you're not put, getting put the day my off. backup in. You'll probably work tomorrow too. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I guess you know, the old saying, right? The points count the same in October Absolutely. as they do in January. Absolutely. Uh, but do you now have a bit of a cushion because you're like, well, no. Hellebuck said it really well. He said, you know, in this, he said it after the after the game last night. He said that momentum, yeah. and confidence is a very important thing in this league. Sure. And once you get going, you don't want to you don't want to mess no. with that. Connor Hellebuck, by the way, would say would tell Paul Maurice he needs to play all eighty two games. Him. Good for uh, him. And he'd fight him on that, but. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, LA's not very good, right? They've only got one win, but you also yeah. want to be careful that you don't just take the foot off I the guys. Good players. I don't know. Isn't it? You, it's you got to find out if you can if Comrie can sink or swim, right? Don't that. you got to throw him in? Well, you know that. Do already. we know he, he can't? He's never. The only time he's appeared in NHL games <laughs> so far in his career has been as just a filling guy. This is the first time he's a legitimately an NHL backup. So don't you want to see if the guy? has anything <laughs> i mean sure if he gets lit up like a christmas tree tomorrow the, then the, what happened did he cheat like th- did he become a different player over the last well, couple of years he's proven he can't he, we've seen he's it though pro- they're teams... gonna they're gonna score four goals against him yeah and if the jets don't score five they're gonna lose period that's the track record sure. of eric Comrie, connor hellebuck's right? given up four goals well, in a lot has. of games already this I get year that. Yeah, yeah. um you know there is some <laughs> school of thought steve that teams when they have their backup in they tighten up a bit yep and so i don't know maybe the jets rally around that <laughs> so like, they would have scored six against them. yeah <laughs> i mean look they they love eric Carmen. there's no question about it and so maybe they rally around the guy say we know people are already like steve lyons they're counting them out all right uh, so we're gonna rally around him we'll see i also could be wrong and lose the hundred bucks i guess we didn't shake on it so it's not officially I'm not a holding you to it yeah All right, folks, we're back for the third period of our Jet Cetera podcast. Mike, the Bombers. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So they, they played a game against the BC Lions on uh, Saturday night. Right. I think they just scored another touchdown. <laughs> like right now, <laughs> they just gave up another. Uh, they won 45 to nothing. 45 to nothing, Mike. They're 10 and 1. They clinched first place in the West. They're going to host the West final in December the 5th, I believe it is. Uh, kudos to the Jets, by the way, <clears throat> excuse me, for changing the start time yes. of their game that night. They've changed it to 7 o'clock. It was originally at 6, which would have been during the Bomber right. game, right? So they changed this to 7. Still so going to be a tight turnaround if someone wants to stay to the end of the no, West No, if you're final. watching on TV, you don't have to Oh, for sure. The Bombers are going to have a shuttle that will take you from oh, invest- are they? Yeah, IG well, Field nice. to... Uh, right to whatever Canada it's Life downtown. Center. Is yeah. that was called? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Do they get it? Does that shuttle get a police escort, like mm-hmm. so that it can just blow through traffic? It's uh, I don't know. It's 
it's it's painted like a moose, uh, uh, like a cow, and uh, oh, okay, and there's lots of beer on it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I don't know. There used to be a bus called the Moo Bus. I don't know if the Moo Bus is still around. Some of you folks may remember that. Um, I remember the Golden Retriever. That was remember Al Golden used to have the bus that he oh. drive the seniors around in Transcona. No, there was a Moo Bus. It was a Bison's. It was the guys like uh, Bruce Coverton and Dale Dreger oh, okay. and some other guys. Um, that had the Moo Bus, and they were Bison alumni, and they would park uh, it uh, at Bison games. Uh, I'm not sure they ever brought the Bomber games. I think they did, maybe. Anyways, Covey, Tuna, was in town, anyways, on the weekend. Sounds like the Bada Bing Bus. It was, yeah. So, anyways, I went to the game, Mike. Yeah. Get like, this. I didn't sit in the press box. You sat, I know. You sat like... First time I've sat in the stands at a Bomber game, and I don't, I don't, I can't even remember the last time I did, I can only presume it was before I got into the business, which is 1986. <laughs> right. So, so early 80s, yeah. sometime in the early 80s, I sat in the stands at the old Winnipeg Stadium and watched the Bomber game. Was the experience different in the stands versus, say, in a press box? Yeah, it's way better. Yeah, it, Bomber fans are loud, man. They got those bells going. Right. And they're talking all the time and they're yelling all the time BC and they're cheering. Sucks. Yeah, they didn't. I'm surprised. So. I took this young. Uh, I took a couple of young lads to their very first uh, game ever, CFL game. A friend of mine's right. young boys, and uh, one of them was eight years old. And um, at one point, he's going like, in the first quarter, he goes, "BC hasn't got any points yet." <laughs> and I go, "No, I know that's that's kind of what happens. Like they haven't scored or whatever." And he's right. like, "Oh, he's confused. How come they haven't got any yet?" Yeah, right? yeah. You know what I mean? So then, midway through the second quarter, he looks at him and he goes, "You know what?" BC sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so he got the crowd going. He, did he start the chat? I didn't hear a BC sucks. <laughs> oh, chat. apparently there was a BC sucks. I didn't hear it. it. Maybe it was in the fourth quarter. It was he in left the at the quarter. end of the third. Oh, okay, yeah. It was yeah. thirty to nothing. Right, and you knew the bombers weren't giving any points up in no, the fourth quarter because so they never like, do. No, we'd had enough. We've Are got they still given up? By the way, just six, six points, points all year in eleven games. That's ridiculous. In the fourth quarter, it's crazy. That that just doesn't happen. So that, so so it was it was interesting. I. I enjoyed myself. I had a good time sitting down in the stands. Um, um, yeah. They, they, hey, listen. The press box at IG Field is is tucked back in the corner. It's right. not like the, the press box at Winnipeg Stadium. You were on top of the, the day, action, right? You were right there. Yeah. You, the fans actually were like right there, like they, 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 they right outside the window. The fans were right there. Right. They would often turn around and say stuff to us sure. or whatever. Right when we had the windows open, right? We always had the windows open there. That was that was pre Paul Wiesek who always, always complained to close close the windows and Judy Owen. Cold. Sorry, Judy. I'm cold. <laughs> Bring a cold. sweater. It's cold. Bring a jacket. Anyways, are, well, are you they, asked me if I froze at the game. I, know. I did not freeze at the are game. Are they gonna have Are they gonna have the press box open though on December fifth for the West I Final? They, I think they had the, the windows closed at the last. I game, think so. so. Anyways, um, cowards. What was I talking about? Something about the bombers. Yeah. Be so. Um, so the debate here is now, and I wrote about this a little bit in the press in my playbook this week or whatever. Um, is this the best Bombers team ever? Like they're they're extreme, or or is the league really lousy? Like, well, so there's a right, little bit of that. I would say relative to the other competition in the league, it, it, there's a compelling case to be made. Like that the, most bon right, the most dominant, the most dominant bomber team yeah. ever. Yeah. Yeah. Whether you could say it's the best, like would this bomber team, if you could go back in time and put them on the field against, right? Like would they win? I mean, I, I don't right. know. You've seen a lot more 
eras of the bombers than i have right but it does feel like relative to the rest of the league this team is so much better than everyone else and so whether that's because the bombers are just so good or everyone else is so terrible or some combination of both what are we now at is this seven of 11 games where the bombers have held opponents into single digits well i can't I believe it. it's seven it, this is, is a ridiculous is, yeah. number uh, and other than that one blemish in week two against Toronto, like it just seems like this is a coronation waiting to happen. Uh, well, it strikes me there's one of two ways this season ends, Steve. Either a coronation or just a crushing. Yeah, one of the best bomber teams ever uh, in, in my mind was the 2001 team that, right. that I think they were 13-3. and three. Um, had some really good players, Milt Stiegel era, yep. Kahari Jones era, or whatever, and then they went on to lose to the eight and ten Calgary Stampeders right. in the Great Cup, and so, um, and that's still, I think that's the best Bomber team that never won never a Great won, Cup. Yeah. The 2007 team was pretty good too, but um, 2007 is that what I said? Yeah, they lost. The and game. I mean, hey, in a one game scenario, I guess anything can happen, yeah, anything right? Can any happen. given Sunday. It, but they're 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 you know, I'm, I've always thought that. Listen, I wasn't around for the Bud Grant teams when Kenny Plain was the quarterback, and and um, and they won four Grey Cups in five years. Yeah, um, obviously some pretty good teams then. So I I don't know. I can't speak to that. The 1984 team was really really good uh, with Tom Tom Clements at quarterback and and Willard Reeves at running back, and they right. had some other really good players. I um, mean, then the 88 to 90 teams that went two or three with all of the Hall of Famers that they had. Sure. Do you know what I mean? The Ty Jones, the James West, the Chris Walbies, the Rod Hills, the Les Browns, and all that. River. So uh, there's been some great bomber teams. So those would really be the best bomber teams of all time. But, I mean, this what they're doing is, is, is really remarkable. Sure, and I think we also have to look at it through the lens of one thing we had this year that we never had any of those previous years you just mentioned is the whole COVID situation. Yeah. That there was a great unknown coming into this year. The Bombers, nobody had stepped on the field for almost two seasons, two years. The Bombers, though, kept a good chunk of their team intact from the 2019 Grey Cup champs. But you wondered, could they kind of recapture that I magic think i think that's probably the key if you say that the bombers like the other team is are lousy right. I, don't, I don't know that's necessarily true there's there's some really good players and there's some teams playing well at different times or whatever but i don't think they were able to retain their team teams from 2019 no. as well as the bombers were able to yeah let me ask as, as a longtime observer of the cfl is the so we talk about the quality of the teams but i want to focus for a second just on the quality of the quarterbacks because in the cfl the quarterbacks often are the team right if you have a star quarterback is the, is the quality of the quarterbacking has that taken a noticeable dip zach Kolaris, it would seem is so far just statistically, eh. certainly above everybody else. He's got right? some really good receivers and a, and a really good line or whatever. So um, I, I don't know. I, I think that there's some good quarterbacks in Montreal. And obviously, Ottawa's having some trouble there. There's some good quarterbacks in Hamilton that just haven't been able to stay healthy. Um, you know, the guy in Toronto, Bethel Thompson, is kind of hit and miss a bit. Right. I mean, you still have Bo Light, Levi Mitchell. He's not having a great season. Mike Riley is not having a great season, but he's yeah. got a terrible team around him. So there's still some good quarterbacks. So I, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's, sure. uh, 
I mean, there's there's no, always there's always a handful of really good quarterbacks, and I think there's still a handful of yeah. Real, and that guy and the guy Cody Fajardo in Regina is a really good quarterback. He's still a. I I don't I think the Rough Riders get overlooked a little bit. I predicted last week that it was going to be Peters. Calgary. Yeah. But then the the the, the Green Rough machine, Riders went and beat they Calgary. Beat him, yeah. So I that think, seems like the likely West probably semifinal yeah. is probably like I, I mean I guess BC could sneak in there, nah, but no, they, it's, it's it's Calgary Regina. To quote the eight year old. With you, BC, yeah, BC sucks. sucks yeah. Uh, so yeah, Calgary, Saskatchewan, winner takes on Winnipeg, where the Bombers will. No yeah, doubt. so both of those quarterbacks, Fajardo yeah. and uh, Bo Levi Mitchell, are both legitimate CFL quarterbacks, and so on any given Sunday on December the fifth, <laughs> um, yeah, they could give the Bombers some trouble. All right, folks, we're back for the overtime period of our Jet Setra podcast. Not sure what it's a rainy day out there, Mike. It is. It's gloomy. Not a good day for... So you went and played golf yesterday. Yes. I was surprised to hear that you were on the golf course yesterday. <laughs> Jason Bell tuned me in on that. I was just like, what? Say yeah. what? It was a last-minute invite because I wasn't even originally supposed to be off Tuesday, but then I took uh, burned a couple holiday days. And I guess, in a way, I wasn't really off yesterday because the Blackhawks thing broke while I was on the golf course. So what did you do? Work half a day? Yeah, I worked half a day, but... <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll just call it, uh, I, I won't be filing any paperwork, put it this way. All right. Uh, but yeah, it was, it, uh, so I'd like to blame my erratic game on the fact I was distracted the last few holes, but. What'd you shoot? I, I think I shot 98. Oh, all right. Yeah, but I was, so I was playing with Derek Ingram, who for those folks who don't know who Derek Ingram, he's the national men's golf, he's from Winnipeg, he's national men's uh, golf coach, uh, he's also the personal coach of PGA player Corey Connors and he he himself is a former Mike McIntyre. pro player yeah <laughs> the um, personal coach of Mike so McIntyre it was a little humbling playing with Derek Ingram yesterday Steve where <laughs> he's a golf pro Mike. right three of the first five <laughs> holes we played were par fives downwind and it was howling and he eagled them both in fact he nearly albatrossed uh, a 520 yard par five and he was three feet from the hole in two wow. made the tap in eagle nice. Nice. I used bombing his drives like 330 yards. Right. So as I said to him at one point, I forget what hole we're on. I thought I hit a really good drive and then a really good second shot. And my ball was five yards in front of his drive, of his drive after yeah. I hit two really good shots. Right. Uh, so it was a bit humbling. But um, yeah, it was nice to get one last round. That was round uh, 18 for me on the year. It says here you got your 20th and Sorry, the 20. Goal. I forgot about, right. It was what was round your 20. goal? 20. I hit my goal. So, yeah, I got a last-minute invite on Monday to play, and we played at the Whispering Winds of Warren. The winds were not whispering. They were the howling winds of Warren yesterday. Uh, I think it hit like 8 degrees, but it felt a lot yeah, colder. Yeah, I'm a, a fair-weather golfer, Mike. Um, yeah, I just wanted to get one more in. And they did a shotgun start because, I guess, you know, oh, frost and in right. the morning and daylight. So there weren't a whole lot of people out. We played in a pretty brisk three and a half hours, and brisk we walked the right. course. Yep. So you ever go away and play golf in the winter time? You're going to Vegas no. in a few weeks. Why don't you play there? Yeah, I don't know. Probably not a good marital decision there. See, you, honey, I'm going to go golf for four hours. She'd probably go. Yeah, go ahead. I'll go yeah. shopping. <laughs> well, maybe. Yeah, drop me at the outlets. And yeah. Uh, um, no, I and I was just in California, of course, for the Jets season opening road trip, and there was a little bit of downtime. I did. I went to a Dodgers game, and but I did not go golf. So you never I, go golfing on any of these road trips. I haven't. I guess no. I could. Some I of guess my you colleagues take your clubs with you. I you wouldn't. Just rent some. But colleagues have uh, have done that. They've golfed on on Jets trips yeah, where they just should. go rent clubs, and yeah. uh, 
so yeah, that may be in the offering. Uh, maybe maybe one of these future trips uh, later in the season. The Jets played a golf course on their they first did. What road was it trip called? Half Calif- Moon or something? Half Moon Bay. And you've played there. You I said. have. Yeah, it's it's, a, it's attached to the Ritz Carlton, just south of San right. Francisco. They might be playing there again, by the way, on Friday because they're back up in that area. Beautiful course. Like it's like. It's Pebble Beach like, right? And that it's on the ocean like that. There's a there's lots it's of a courses. public course though, right? Which is uh, interesting. Or I don't know that. I was maybe? staying at the hotel, and, right? And, and and got to play or whatever. Uh, but certainly one of the most beautiful, uh, most scenic golf courses sure. I've ever played. I mean, there's so many. I, I mean, Torrey Pines was always yeah. my favorite. I played Pebble Beach as well, but. Um, just there's so many if you get a chance along the pacific coast there wow man yeah. there's some nice courses it's Mike. it's tough golfing this time of year for one reason steve the leaves i mean it's cold out yeah. well, well that too <laughs> and the but leaves it's yeah. hard to find your ball yeah it yeah. can be like you in your, your ball's hiding green. in plain sight lots of times and for putting sure too you gotta like there was a the... guy on the course yesterday with uh, one of the workers with a giant leaf blower yeah, and he good. was cleaning the leaves off you have a portable one of those on your side of totally your golf, like like a ball retriever yeah um and the reason i said 18 and not 20 because it depends on whether you count the two charity events oh, that yeah, you and I played those. in. So, but I'm going to count them and say that gave me 20 because I played 18 <laughs> other rounds of golf. So I'll count them and say I hit my goal at 20. I bumped into a guy who was uh, biking through the Assiniboine Forest the other day and um, bumped into an old friend of mine, Paul Lowen. I'm not sure if he listens to this. I know he reads my playbook and he's a big fan of ours. Um, and um, Paul invited me to go play and Niaqua next year, so maybe I'll do that. He'd heard that I'd picked up the sticks. Right. So, um, and hadn't lost a step. Yeah. <laughs> Ni- Niaqua, your former stomping grounds, exactly. of course. They're, yeah, they're doing some repairs out there and some greens or something. But anyways, we'll see. That's a whole uh, whole year away, it seems like. I'm not sure that I'll, uh, I'll get out again this year. Are you but, handing out candy this weekend, Steve? It's Halloween on Sunday. No, I asked my wife. No, I, I said, we're handing out candy, right? She's like, no, we're not going to this year. No, I, I said, that. what? Like our kids are way too old for trick or treating now. Right. We're long, but uh, right. She's like, well, no. The last time we did it last year, we only had like forty kids. It's not worth I'm it. I'm not a huge Halloween guy, really. Mike. No, not really. I don't get it. Yeah, I kind of. I like. I Do you like, like it? Yeah, I like Halloween. I mean, I, I now I probably can't. I shouldn't devour as many mini chocolate well, bars as should. I used to. No, but and those kids shouldn't be. <laughs> it's bad. It's it's like you get them. Hooked well, so you're on the sh- guy giving out the them, apples. Let's get them hooked on sugar, right. At the age of five, right? Yeah, you know what I mean, right. Like, man, deal with that for the rest of your life. So you're the guy giving out toothbrushes and dental floss and apples. <laughs> <laughs> you're the house that gets egged. Not, my house, my house <laughs> On has gate been, night. My house has been egged. Right. That's a whole other story. Wasn't uh, yeah, so apparently, I mean, I'm, 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 I'll see if I can overturn my wife's decision on this. Apparently, we're not handing out candy this year. Wow. Which we're just going to turn the lights out and pretend we're not home. Yeah, which that's what I do. We live on a, like a cul-de-sac, and it's one of those where if, if other people aren't giving out candy it's kind of worthless because people will look and if they don't see everyone's lights on they'll just skip you right so you're kind of at the mercy of what your neighbors are doing um but i want to be a leader not a follower steve well oh can't you do it i yeah well i may just i just may just set up my own halloween stand <laughs> even if my wife doesn't want to get i may give out candy all right we'll folks well it could be a scary few days for Kevin Chevel day yes. off in the Winnipeg Jets um he well next week anyways he's going to meet for with sure we'll be the following that of he's course gonna meet with the big bad commissioner yes and uh, see what's going to go on and uh well uh, probably by this time we are we doing one of these next week Is we are schedule? the Jets will be starting they start their season-long homestand seven games which starts next Tuesday against Dallas I think we're doing this probably in between 
Wednesday next week. On Wednesday, week. yeah. So we'll, the homestand will be underway. and uh, I'm taking a long weekend. I'm taking tomorrow, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday off. Beautiful. I'm taking tomorrow off. I'll be back Friday. You think so, eh? And then, well, yeah, depending. <laughs> we'll see what, what news maybe breaks. Um, you can deal with assistant sports editor Jason. Bell I will. Oh, I'll deal with him, all right. All right. <laughs> all okay, right, folks. folks. It, 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 it. Enjoy Halloween. Don't eat too much sugar.